0: Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlocks big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Natasha's Dance A Cultural History of Russia. In Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace, there is the following short extract. The heroine of the book Natasha Rostov is a Russian noblewoman with a sheltered upbringing. A distant uncle invites her and her brother to his cabin at the end of a day's hunting in the woods. The housekeeper Anisia entertains Rostov with a home-cooked meal that she has made by herself. Rostov gorges on pickled mushrooms, rye cakes made with buttermilk, sparkling mead, and fruit wine that she has never seen before. She finds these foods to be the most delicious in the world. After the meal, the sound of the balalaika can be heard in the servants' room. Rostov finds the simple country ballad genuinely incredible. Seeing his little niece in such high spirits, the uncle grabs his guitar to play the popular Russian folk song Came a Maiden Down the Street, Rostov cannot help but revel in the strong rhythm of the melody. With an inexplicable feeling in her heart, Rostov throws off her shawl, walks briskly to her uncle, crosses her arms, adjusts her shoulders, and stands still. She dances with grace and charm, smiling proudly and mischievously. For an instant, everyone in the room is astonished by Rostov's authentic Russian dance moves. She has shocked everyone. As a young countess receiving education from a French governess, where, how, and when had she imbibed that spirit from the Russian air she breathed? What enabled Natasha to pick up so instinctively the rhythms of the dance? How could she step so easily into this village culture from which she was so far removed by social class and education? These questions bring us to the heart of the book. The author states in the book, The European-Russian had a split identity. His mind was a state divided into two. On one level he was conscious of acting out his life according to prescribed European conventions, yet on another plane his inner life was swayed by Russian customs and sensibilities. Natasha's dance is precisely the very embodiment of this unique Russian national mentality. And today's book Natasha's Dance is a study of Russian culture and the origins of the national character. The book explores the divergence between European civilization and folk elements in Russian culture. It reveals the formation and development of Russian culture, presenting a brilliant and dazzling scroll of culture. The author of this book Orlando Feigues received his PhD from the University of Cambridge. As a professor of history at the University of London, he has continuously worked on Russian literature, art, politics, and economics. Fiegs is one of the leading scholars of Russian studies in the English-speaking world today. His research publications include The Whisperers, Private Life in Stalin's Russia, and The Crimean War, A History. His works received the Wolfson Prize and NCR Book Award. They have been translated into more than 20 languages and have become popular worldwide. Next, we will uncover the key characteristics of Russian culture in three parts. Part 1, Native Russia. Part 2, Civilized Russia. Part 3, Russia in the Soviet Era. When speaking of Russian history, we must mention the Slavs of Central Asia. Due to the Mongol hordes, the Slavs were displaced. Some of those displaced Slavs formed Kievan Rus, the first Russian state. These Rus people are the common ancestors of today's Russians, Belarusians, and Ukrainians. To explore the Russian soul, we will need to trace back to the early days of this Russian state Kievan Rus. Initially, the Eastern Slavic tribes had their own gods to worship. But after the founding of Kievan Rus, the country's rulers gradually felt the need to establish a unified religion. During the reign of the monarch Vladimir I, Kievan Rus reached its pinnacle and became an Eastern European power. At that time, Vladimir was a lustful and indulgent man with many wives and concubines. Soon, his indulgence in sensual pleasures evoked the emptiness of his soul. Feeling overwhelmed with anxiety, he attempted to restore the Slavs' worship of the gods. He ordered the statue of the supreme god Perun to be forged in gold and silver, but his soul was still not satisfied. Vladimir, the pagan prince of Kievan Rus in the 10th century sent his emissaries to various countries searching for the true faith. As soon as the emissaries caught sight of the churches of Constantinople, they were overwhelmed by its splendor. As we explained in 1453, the holy war for Constantinople and the clash of Islam and the West, the emissaries reported, We knew not whether we were in heaven or on earth, for surely there is no such splendor or beauty anywhere on earth. As it turned out, the colorful religious rituals, magnificent vestments, incense, music, the emperor's grace, and the grandeur of the court shook Vladimir's heart and filled him with awe. In 988 AD, Vladimir I declared orthodoxy, a branch of Christianity to be the state religion of Rus. Rituals are essential to the orthodox religion. Indeed, the very meaning of the concept orthodox is rooted in the idea of the correct rituals. Orthodoxy is fundamentally conservative. The old believers rejected any innovation in the liturgy. They clung to ancient orthodox rituals as a symbol of holiness. With a clear tendency towards egalitarianism, the old liturgists saw the clergy's hierarchy as a corruption of the church. Orthodox liturgy is a religious ritual belonging to the people. There are no pews, no social hierarchies in a Russian church. Worshippers are free to move around as they do constantly to prostrate and cross themselves before the various icons, and this makes for an atmosphere that is not unlike a busy market square. In 1326, the Metropolitan moved the center of the Russian church from Vladimir to Moscow. From that time on, anyone who opposed Moscow was considered an enemy of Christianity. Moscow became the center of the old believers, whose central idea was based on the belief that a sacred kingdom might be found in Holy Rus'. According to the founding principles of Tsarist Russia, when the Ottomans sacked Constantinople in 1453, Moscow took up the mantle of Rome and Byzantium, becoming the only remaining center of orthodoxy, also known as the Third Rome. Ivan IV even engraved Moscow's doctrine as the Third Rome on the stone walls of the newly built St. Basil's Cathedral. Byzantium heavily influenced the culture of Russia. Ivan III created a new double-headed eagle coat of arms modeled after the Byzantine imperial coat of arms. He adapted the shape of the palace in accordance with the Byzantine style. However, Russian architecture isn't a replica of Byzantium. The Mongols had occupied Kiev around 1230 and ruled Russia for more than two centuries. It wasn't until 1480 when Ivan III succeeded over the Mongols at the Battle of Ogra that the Mongol aristocracy's rule over the Rus people ended. The Mongol invasion devastated Russia's economy and culture, eliminating handicraft production and bringing masonry construction to a halt. Masonry was revived with the construction of a series of churches and palaces, especially the Kremlin Palace, a new complex of buildings on the site of the old one. The Kremlin Palace was originally a wooden castle built by Prince Dolgorukov in the 12th century. It wasn't until the 14th century that the construction of a beautiful palace and white stone cathedrals began on the former site. The architecture of the Grand Principality of Moscow was known for its brightly colored onion domes and tent roofs influenced by folk architecture. One of the most representative buildings was St. Basil's Cathedral, known as a fairy tale set in precious stones. With the restoration of the Orthodox Church, the iconography of church interiors developed rapidly. Russian iconography is famous for its medieval Byzantine style. Iconographic figures are fairly two-dimensional, they aren't realistic looking people, but rather symbolic figures. Iconography often uses inverse perspective, using this method, Believers will feel as though they are sharing a fantastic space with their icon as they gaze at the painting. More than two centuries of Mongolian rule had left a profound impact on Russian customs and cultural traditions. The Buya class wore a semi oriental kaftan and fur coats, just like merchants. Many of the business and administrative terms in the Russian language come from the Tatar language. In Russian customs, stepping on door thresholds is taboo, and the practice of Russian peasants throwing people into the air is a token of respect. All of these customs can be traced back to the Mongols. In terms of material culture, noble boyars were almost indistinguishable from the ordinary folks. Before the 18th century, most of the Tsar's courtiers lived in wooden houses which weren't much larger than peasant huts. They were furnished only with simple clay or wooden pots. Russia has a long tradition of authoritarianism, but the Mongol influence was the most significant factor in laying the cornerstones of Russian politics. Whether a peasant or a nobleman, the Mongol Khans demanded absolute obedience from their subjects and ensured this through coercive measures. When the Mongol Khan was expelled from Russia in the 16th century, He was replaced by the Prince of Moscow and later by the Tsars who inherited this tradition from the Mongols. Since the 16th century, the Grand Principality of Moscow was considered the Tsar's domain. Nobles were only the legal slaves of the Tsar. Before the 18th century, there were no magnificent, noble houses in Russia. Nobles were running errands across the vast empire of the Tsar, so real investments in the land were scarce. Also, their estates needed to be ready to be exchanged or sold at any time. The ancient grand principality of Moscow contains a certain sense of the Russian soul. Native Russia adopts a nationalization model where collectivism, egalitarianism, and anti-privatism all play a dominant role. The union of Moscow with orthodoxy was consolidated in the church and Byzantium strongly influenced the church's architectural style. Iconography inspired the Rus people's intellectual life, and was the origin of the glorious Russian paintings. The traditions of the church and the lifestyle of civilians also remained virtually unchanged over the following centuries. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.